0: Hi, this is Jeannie Drisco with an episode of the Art and Soul of Healing. Today on the wings of Alliance for Natural Health USA, we will be returning to visit macronutrients. In my clinical practice, there were patients who had followed low-fat diets for many years. This led to skin changes with what's called chicken skin on the upper arms, dry skin, dull hair, low vitamin D, and low sex steroid hormones, like testosterone. These are just a few of the changes that can occur with low-fat diets. Fat is a critical macronutrient to keep the human body held together and running properly. Let's turn our attention to the very important macronutrient, lipids. We're going to complete the section on macronutrients with lipids or fats. And I saved this to the last because I wanted to spend more time with the lipids since there's been quite a bit of misunderstanding and misinformation around fat intake. This began in the 1950s and extends to this day. In fact, the United Kingdom is currently deciding whether they're going to have recommendations for their population around reducing fat intake, which has really fallen out of favor in most well informed countries. Around the 1950s, recommendations to Americans concerning fat were promoted by publications from Goffman and Ansel Keys, and we've talked about Ansel Keys previously in the Mediterranean diet. Their dogma Propagated that saturated fats were bad. And a connection was made with respect to the rise of heart disease and the epidemiologic correlations between saturated fat and heart disease. It's really been a misunderstanding. Not much has changed in the last 70 years, unfortunately, with these ongoing recommendations to reduce total fat, saturated fat, and cholesterol rich foods. And what happens when? Big food tries to reduce fat, they end up putting more sugar in the food to give it more taste and sometimes a little bit more salt. And what's happened since that change in the way food was prepared is that in the United States, heart disease and cancer have now become number one and number two causes of death. And that's true in most industrialized countries. But before this change by reducing the fat and increasing the sugar content, these diseases were not major contributors to mortality. The transition to the standard American diet that we call SAD at the beginning of the 20th century paralleled the increase in the onset and progression of chronic human diseases. This is directly related to the food supply change that was both qualitatively inferior and increase in quantity of food consumed. This gave rise to obesity and a mismatch of the gene diet interactions. Cooking oils also needed to be intolerant to heat and long shelf lives. So these processed foods began containing trans fats and damaged oils, and these have become very commonplace. And we're going to talk about what those damaged oils are. What I want you to understand is that these issues need to be addressed. And this includes the influence of ingested food oils on the structure and function of cellular health. These oils actually change the very structure of our cells because they're incorporated into the walls and into the inner walls of the organelles inside of the cell. So these food oil changes have contributed to the epidemic of chronic disease. The change in the oil used in cooking, or the fats used in cooking, started around 1920, and this was after the discovery of petroleum oil cracking or refining. So after World War II, we've had more processed oils, particularly after the Ancel Keys reports on uh, cholesterol, Unfortunately, the fat consumed in the standard American diet is from overly processed vegetable oils that withstand high heat frying and tolerate a very long shelf life. And sources from factory farmed animals are high in saturated fats, and so those are routinely avoided. We will delve into the role of fat in biology and current dietary recommendations that have been misinterpreted. Of note, often when the lay public decides to adopt a low-carb, high-fat diet, rather than replacing the carbs with healthy, natural fats, they include these damaged, unhealthy fats. It might be good to start discussing the role of lipids in human biology. It's really important to understand how many systems are involved with these signaling molecules. These fat molecules or lipid molecules are not just something that's in the body and the fat stores, they actually provide very important structural function and signaling function within our bodies. Without good quality lipids in our diet, these biological processes and cellular signaling would function very poorly. Well, first of all, the role of fat and its role to assist the body has been well laid out for a number of years and generally was attributed to providing protection as they surrounded organs like kidneys heart and liver and it's also well known that lipids or fat are the engines of hormones you need these good fats to build all of the hormones in our body and they provide a layer of fat beneath the skin known as the subcutaneous fat this insulates the body from environmental temperature changes preserving body heat Dietary fat acts as a long-lasting fuel source for low-intensity exercise. And as everyone knows, dietary fat provides fat-soluble vitamins such as vitamin A, D, E, and K. So these are critical, critical vitamins. But what's recently been discovered is that there are two other functions of lipids, the membrane structure and that is the membrane that surrounds every cell in our body and within the lining of the organelles within the cells so these membranes are at least 50 to 75% lipids and they have embedded in these lipid membranes protein structures that form the receptors and the channels and other structures so you are what you eat what fats and oils and sterols that you eat become the structural composition of the membranes. And if they aren't the correct type of fat, the good natural fats, then your uh, cell signaling molecules' communication and transport into the cells won't function properly. So it's incredibly important not to eat the plastic-damaged fake fats and to get these good natural fats into our system. The second function of lipids that's critically important Is inflammation control. So you have these certain lipid molecules, and we'll talk about these in a little bit. They play a key role in our survival. They are primary metabolites of essential fatty acids, these very important fatty acids that we need to get from food, and they team up with the immune system to manage the immune responses and to control inflammation. So if you have a dysregulated lipid metabolism and you have an altered nutrient status, this is thought to play a major role in the pathophysiology of every chronic disease. Since chronic prolonged inflammation is present in every chronic disease, these very important cosenoid systems become priority in supporting metabolic function. And the most important way or effective way of modulating the acosinoid cascade is nutrition lipid therapy. That is guiding dietary intake of fats and oils and their nutrient cofactors there has been an indiscriminate recommendation to substitute omega-6 fatty acids for saturated fats to lower serum cholesterol concentrations. And what this has led to is an imbalance in omega-6 to omega-3 essential fatty acids. Today, the intake of omega-3 fatty acids is much lower because of the decrease in fish consumption and the industrial production of animal feeds rich in grains containing high levels of omega-6 fatty acids. And this leads to production of meat rich in omega-6 and poor in omega-3 fatty acids. And it's important to understand that this imbalance increases the rate of inflammation in the body. Even cultivated vegetables contain fewer omega-3 fatty acids than do plants that are harvested from the wild. So in summary, modern agriculture, with its emphasis on production, has decreased essential fatty acids of the omega-3 type, and this has led to imbalances in omega-3 to omega-6 ratios. Let's discuss the terminology. So there's different types of fats, and these include saturated fats, monounsaturated fats, and polyunsaturated fats that include omega-3 and omega 6 And there's a variety of the length of the chains of these fats. In brief, and for the chemists in the audience, fatty acids are the key components of lipids. They are called acids because of the organic acid group, the COOH, that they contain. They are chains of covalently linked carbon atoms. So they've got this carbon atom in that necklace chain. And the carbons have hydrogen atoms. But the fatty acids are also classified as saturated with no double bonds or monounsaturated with only one double bond. And then the polyunsaturated fatty acids have two or more double bonds. And they can depend on the number of the double bonds as their naming convention. Let's start with the type of fat that has 18 carbons. That's a very common carbon length in these fats. And if you have a saturated fat with no double bonds, that could be stearic acid, and it's found abundantly in vegetable fats like chocolate, in beef, lamb, lard, and butter. Let's move to a second fat called oleic acid. It also has 18 carbons, but now it's got a double bond in the middle, and that makes it a monounsaturated fat the important numbering convention when they say it is uh, a C18 monounsaturated fat is they name or they number where the first double bond appears from the omega end. So this numbering convention places the double bond at the C9 position in oleic acid. And this is, as I said, a monounsaturated fat. This fat is found in wonderful foods like olive oil and it's anywhere from 55 to 80 percent oleic acid and this is important in other edible oils. Oleic acid is also found in some meats, nuts, cheese, avocados and milk. Let's move to a third fat that also has 18 carbons in its chain but this one has two double bonds making it a polyunsaturated fat and this is linoleic acid. This is a polyunsaturated fatty acid. The important numbering convention is counting where the first double bond appears from the omega end and that double bond is found to be at the C6 position. So that's why it's an omega-6 family. So linoleic acid is found in high quantities in vegetable oils, nuts, and seeds. Before we move away from linoleic acid and the C6 family, I'd like to talk a little bit about trans fats. And everyone's heard that trans fats are really bad for health and that efforts have been made to eliminate them from the food supply. But what exactly are trans fats? What happens is this double bond is changed, so chemically changed or altered by man, and it's no longer in the same appearance that it used to be. It rotates so it's instead of it's in a cis form, again, this is for the chemists in the audience, and now becomes a, a fat with in the trans form. So this type of fat seems to have a longer self, shelf life. But again, the trans fatty acids account for about five to eight percent of fat in the American diet. And it makes it very useful for high heat cooking, stable shelf life. But when it's inserted into the human biologic molecules, it results in reduced cell signaling, increased inflammatory states, and very poor conformation or very poor appearance of those cellular membranes. Trans fats are commercially made by heating liquid vegetable oils in the presence of hydrogen gas and a catalyst, a process called hydrogenation. So you get these partially hydrogenated vegetable oils. And again, they're more shelf-stable, and they're less likely to become rancid, so the food manufacturers don't have to worry about the Twinkie sitting on the shelf of the store for a long time. This also converts these fats into a solid, and therefore they can become uh, margarine or shortening. So again, these are damaged fats. Partially hydrogenated oils can withstand repeated heating without breakdown, so you've got your fast food frying and they use the same fat over and over. For this reason, partially hydrogenated oils have become the mainstay in restaurants and the food industry. These trans fats are the worst types of fat for the heart, blood vessels, and the rest of the body because they raise bad LDL and lower the beneficial HDL cholesterol. And it's a reaction related to immunity, which has been implicated in heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and other chronic conditions. It contributes to insulin resistance. And finally, these partially hydrogenated oils or trans fats can have harmful health effects, even in small amounts. Before I diverged into talking about trans fats we were talking about the good fats that have a carbon length of 18 and another carbon length of 18 is the omega 3 polyunsaturated fat or the alpha linolenic acid now linoleic acid of the omega 6 type competes with alpha linolenic acid of the omega 3 type for chain elongation. So they need an enzyme. They both share this enzyme, delta-60 saturase, and they fight for it in a way. So if you have too much omega-6 in the diet, it's preferentially going to steal that delta-60 saturase away from the omega-3 alpha-linolenic acid. And therefore, the, the acosinoids that reduce inflammation will not be readily formed. Of course, life is a balance, and so you do need omega-6 and omega-3 in a good balance because they also have important functions in cell signaling and in uh, total body messages. I don't want to get into the weeds too much with the naming convention of these polyunsaturated fatty acids, but I think it's really important to understand that the omega-6 type of polyunsaturated fatty acids that become elongated to the 20 chain produces arachidonic acid while the omega-3 type that becomes elongated to the 20 chain becomes icosapentanoic acid or EPA. I'm going to make this a pretty simplistic description but let's talk about the pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory pathways. Both arachidonic acid and EPA are altered chemically to form such things as prostaglandins, thromboxane, and prostacyclin. The prostaglandins and thromboxanes have major effects on smooth muscle in the blood vessels, airways, and in the GI tract, as well as recently discovered in the reproductive tract. Depending on the type, you can either contract smooth muscles or relax smooth muscles, Thromboxane has also been implicated in platelet aggregation and known to be a potent vasoconstrictor. The balancing act occurs when another type of thromboxane opposes this activity of platelet aggregation and becomes a powerful vasodilator. So there's really a two-track balancing act just to highlight how important the dietary fats are in the production of membranes of the cells, these icosinoids are manufactured when the essential fatty acids are flipped out of the cell membranes and converted in the body. So it's important, as I emphasized before, to have a good balance of essential fatty acids, polyunsaturated fatty acids. The eicosanoids derived from arachidonic acid are in general pro-inflammatory, while those derived from DGLA and EPA are less inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. EPA can be increased by consuming fish oils or fish regularly or taking a fish oil supplement. However, we have seen that people are overdosing in these omega-3 fats and pushing the balance in the opposite direction with too little omega-6. Omega-6 linoleic acid, which is, as I mentioned, essential, therefore it has to come from the diet, is found in seeds, nuts, greens, and grasses. What we do know is most people don't eat enough of these healthful, unsaturated fats, The American Heart Association suggests that 8 to 10% of daily calories should come from polyunsaturated fats, but there's evidence that eating more polyunsaturated fat, up to 15% of daily calories in place of saturated fat, alone can lower heart disease risk. Unfortunately, I don't have time to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that's the phospholipid membrane structure. And it's really beautiful. It, it, you have a little cap that is water-soluble that likes to be in a water environment. So that sticks inside the cell, and then it attaches to two legs of these fats. And then the two legs of the fat touch another two legs of fat. And on the other side of the second two legs of fat, there's another cap that loves the water. So that sticks out into the extracellular environment. So you've got this bilipid membrane, and it's really one of the most elegant, beautiful structures in the human body. Dietary intake determines to a great extent the fatty acid composition of the phospholipids in the plasma and cell membranes. Let's switch our focus now to the benefits of fats in the diet. Two studies show that people who eat substantial amounts of fish are greatly protected from sudden unexpected death caused by severely abnormal heart rhythms. And again, I have references for any of these studies and images that anyone might be interested in. You may email me at the art and soul of healing and I can get you the list of references in the physician's health study. 22,000 men were divided into four groups based on the concentrations of these omega-3 fatty acids in the blood. The men in the highest quartile, those that had the most of these omega-3 fats in their bloodstream, had an 81% lower risk of sudden death than those in the lowest quartile, and this was over a 17-year observation period. The second study is the Nurses' Health Study, and investigators used dietary information gathered in five interviews between 1980 and 1994 to estimate the fish intake of 85,000 female nurses. Those who ate fish once a week had a 30% lower risk of heart attack or death than those who never consumed fish. There was also a link to reduction in arrhythmias or those abnormal heart rhythms that were associated with fish oil intake. There are other positive studies I could cite, but with everything, there's negative studies, and there's been a call for the elimination of the blanket recommendation for fish oil consumption. Some more recent studies have pointed to the lack of evidence for improvement in cardiovascular disease outcomes with the use of fish oil And some of the authors suggest that there has been significant improvement in the medical treatment of cardiovascular disease, and as a result, the use of fish oil has shown reduced benefit over time. That being said, there is evidence to suggest that fish consumption and adding modest amounts of fish oil to the diet as a dietary supplement are important. The American Heart Association released an advisory to update prior guidance regarding the use of omega-3 fatty acid supplements, and they cautiously recommend treatment with omega-3 supplements is reasonable for patients that have known cardiovascular disease. As the American Heart Association said, even a potential modest reduction in coronary heart disease in this clinical population would justify treatment with a relatively safe therapy. And the former American Dietetic Association, now called the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, state that dietary fat for the healthy adult population should provide 20 to 35 percent of energy with an increased consumption of omega-3 essential fatty acid intake. Interesting is the dietetic community stated they recognize that scientific knowledge about the effects of these dietary fats on human health is young, and that's the word they used. And so it takes a prudent approach in recommending an increase in fatty acids that benefit health and a reduction in fatty acids that are shown to increase disease. So they are evolving in their recommendations. I would like to close this section by talking about other benefits attributed to dietary fish oil, and they include metabolic syndrome improvement, improvement of dyslipidemia, insulin resistance, and hepatic steatosis or fat deposition in the liver. Also, it's known that fish oil may help with breakdown of fat tissue itself, lipolysis in the adipose tissue. Let's segue now into what findings you see on the nutrition-focused physical exam when patients are deficient in good fats. You start with the skin. It's important to realize that these good fats, both of the omega-3 and the omega-6 type, are transported to the epidermis from the capillaries. These essential fatty acids are critical for the formation of the epidermis. And other mineral and vitamin cofactors are also critically important. So if these are deficient, skin conditions can worsen. And skin conditions where there is an alteration of the keratinocyte fatty acid composition are seen in atopic dermatitis, psoriasis, and other proliferative epidermal changes that are associated with inflammation. After a thorough nutrition-focused physical exam is completed, the practitioner might consider doing essential fatty acid testing, both by serum and red blood cell. Serum assessment, which is easier to obtain from laboratory testing, shows the essential fatty acid balance, but is associated with the most recent meal intake. The red blood cell fatty acid assessment is becoming a little bit easier to obtain by several specialty laboratories and can show the storehouse of the essential fatty acids in the human body. And it's done by taking a biopsy of the red blood cell. The red blood cell fatty acid assessment by laboratory analysis is the preferred form. What we have seen in the clinic anecdotally is those people who take fish oil as a supplement skew their essential fatty acid ratio to the high omega-3 type. This can cause imbalances and it isn't necessarily a good thing to have even more essential fatty acid of the omega-3 type in the bloodstream. You do need that arachidonic acid. You, if you lower arachidonic acid too much, you can change the membrane fluidity. You can alter the pro-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory cascade. So life is a balance, and our dietary intake should be a balance. This concludes our discussion of the lipids or fats. Well, it's really important for you to understand that the intake of good fats is critical for health. It not only improves inflammation and anti-inflammation, but it also delivers healthy membranes to all the cells, healthy skin. It helps transport those good fat-soluble vitamins that are necessary for vision and the brain and the immunity. If you eat fast food, then you're getting too much of the damaged fats And if you're on a low-fat diet, you're missing out on these good fats altogether. So again, make good dietary choices and add those good fats back into the diet. Thank you all for joining me on the Art and Soul of Healing. It's time to embrace real food that has generous portions of good fats like olive oil, fish, organic vegetables, and meat sources that are pasture-fed or free-range raised. It's time to turn our backs on processed, fake plastic fats that gum up our metabolism and make us sick. In closing, I would like to thank Alliance for Natural Health USA for standing in the gap for our health freedoms. Become a member today.